Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. So this morning we're going to have a guest preacher, as I mentioned last week, and a very good godly man. Um, Brian, if you want to come up here with me. And so uh, give a hand to Brian Brian Jones, who's with us. Uh, Brian uh, is a a pro. He he is so good. He's not going to stay here. He's going to go back to preach to his church in Michigan. Is it Michigan? So um, praise God. I didn't realize the time change thing. He's actually awake and so he's ahead of us by three hours. He's ready to go this morning. And so, uh, again, praise God. We are thankful that you're here, and we can't wait to hear the word from you, Brian. Thank you, James. Well, it's wonderful to be back. Um, I have been here a few times in the past, but not for the last three years. And so I'm very thankful for not only the opportunity to attend the Shepherds Conference myself and get to know James a little better uh, as well, but also to be back in your church and to bring the Word of God to you this morning. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 4? Philippians chapter 4. And in a moment, I'm going to read the first few verses, verses 1 through uh, 3 of Philippians chapter 4, but let's begin with a word of prayer this morning. Lord God, we've come together to exalt you, to give you the honor and glory and worship that you deserve. And we do that, Lord, because of your gracious working in our hearts, taking the word of God, the gospel, and bringing it to our ears and opening our minds and our hearts to receive the good news that Jesus died for our sins and rose again. And Lord, it's because of your saving grace in Christ that we are together this morning, along with all those everywhere whom you have redeemed and gathered into your church. We are grateful to be part of your body with them. And grateful, Lord, for your word, which not only gives us faith to believe in you, but also, Lord, gives us instruction for how to live the Christian life day by day. And so, Lord, I pray that as we look at this passage of Scripture, it would be instructive for us. That you would use it as you do, Lord, to teach us doctrine to bring rebuke where we need it, to teach us correction, the right way to walk before you, and to instruct us in godliness. And so we look to you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I went to a small Christian school from the time I was in third grade all the way until I graduated from high school. And somewhere along the way in there, and I can't remember how old I was or what grade I was in, but somewhere along the way in there, my mother began working at the school. 
and, she, and her job at the school was in the, in the school office. And so everything that happened in terms of academics, but also in terms of discipline, she saw, she was aware of, it passed by her desk. And my mom is a very perceptive person anyway, and so whatever she didn't see on paper, she was able to pick up from keeping her, you know, ear, her ear to the ground and hearing how students talk and so on. So fortunately, my older brother and I did not get in a lot of trouble when we were in school. We were both kind of rule followers by nature, and so um, we didn't have any trouble, really. My younger brother had a little bit of trouble, but he, even he wasn't too bad. But I remember distinctly one day when I think I was a sophomore in high school, and um, I was in choir. It's a small Christian school. Everybody's involved in fine arts in one way or another. I played in the band, but I also sang in the choir. And we were in a choir room, and the choir teacher, the choir leader, was a, just a wonderful, gracious woman, just always happy, always friendly, always kind. And my mother was in the room for some reason handing out papers. And I don't know what the papers were. I don't know why she was there. I don't remember. But I do remember that the teacher, the, the choir leader, was trying to get us to pay attention to her. And she was trying to get us to stop talking. And she kept saying, can you please stop talking and can I have your attention? Well, the person she was talking about was me. I was the one talking. And I don't remember who I was talking to or why I was talking to them, but I was. And so my mom just said, Brian, stop talking. Like she, she called it out, man. She called me by name. One of the most embarrassing things that happened to me when I was in high school was being called out by name in class by my mother, especially because the girl that I was interested in was sitting directly behind me. So she could probably see, you know, my ears turn red and everyone else could see my face turn red in the room. But the, the truth is that sometimes problems need to be addressed. Sometimes things need to be taken on, head on. Sometimes the indirect approach will work. Sometimes the teacher's saying, hey, everybody, please stop talking. Sometimes people will get a clue and stop talking. But sometimes you need to call people out by name. And sometimes you need to take things head on. Some things are too important to leave unaddressed. And I don't know that my talking in class fits in that category. But I understood why my mother did it. But some things in life and some things in the Christian life are too important to leave uncorrected and unaddressed. And here in Philippians chapter 2, or chapter 4, I should say, in the book of Philippians, one of the most encouraging books in the New Testament, one of the books of the New Testament that has, if, if, if books of the New Testament have moods, Philippians has one of the happiest moods in the New Testament. And yet Paul had something on his mind that was of deep concern to him. And so he does something that's very unusual for Paul in our passage of Scripture this morning. And let's look at it together. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. I mean, you can't get more happy mood than this, right? My brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm then in the Lord, my beloved. Paul goes out of his way to talk about how much he loves the church at Philippi and to encourage them to follow the Lord. But then he gets down to it. He gets down to the serious issue. And he says in verse 2, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. This is quite something. 
because Paul usually does not address problems by naming people in his letters. He names people in his letters, but usually it's to give thanks for them, or usually it's to commend them for their service to the Lord. Sometimes it's to point out people that need to be watched and, and looked out for, but those people aren't in the church often. And so this is really unusual. Paul calls out two women by name. And it's maybe these women had sort of a nickname. Maybe these are nicknames. We don't know. Uh, Euodia means something like good journey, and Syntyche means something like good luck. So it probably, if, if, the, if these are names that Paul gave them, um, it actually... I think that probably means they weren't Paul, names that Paul gave them. These are probably their real names, the names they had as Gentiles before they came to Christ. And so Paul here names them by name. Very unusual. Now, add to that, and remember, that when Paul wrote these letters to the churches, his intention was that when the church received the letter, they would read it out loud at their next gathering. And only one copy was sent and so Euodia and Syntyche did not know what was coming. Paul's reading this, or whoever is reading this encouraging letter from Paul out loud is going on about how you're my love, my joy, and my crown, and it's all wonderful. And then all of a sudden, these two women who have no idea what's coming get called out in front of the entire assembly. Very embarrassing for any of us. And very unusual for the Apostle Paul. And not only were these letters read out loud, but you probably know that once they had been read out loud, they would immediately be copied and sent to other churches. So imagine what it would be like to, re to receive a letter from the Apostle Paul and have your name read out loud in a negative way and then know that that's going to be copied and sent to other churches and would be combined into holy writ for thousands of years. People would be reading your name in their churches out loud in a negative way. I don't think any of, one, any of us would aspire to that. I don't think any of us would like it. So why did Paul do this? Why did Paul do this unusual thing of naming these women? And the answer is because there was a problem between them. And the problem between them was serious enough for the Apostle Paul, and he knew them well enough as sisters in the Lord that he just could not stand to let the issue go uncorrected. Just like my mother could not let me continue to be disobedient in choir without saying something to correct my behavior. So Paul cannot let the opportunity pass as he's writing this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church. He can't let the opportunity pass to speak to these women directly. And that's because some problems are too important to leave uncorrected. And specifically, personal problems among Christians are too important to leave uncorrected. That's why Paul did this. That's why the names of these women are immortalized in Holy Scripture. Because whatever the problem between them was, it was too important to leave uncorrected. And that's because personal relationships are an important part of the Christian life. Personal relationships are an important part of the Christian life. Many of you 
probably remember the person who escorted you to faith in Jesus Christ, the person who opened the gospel, opened the scriptures to you, and explained to you that Christ died for our sins because he loves us and gave himself to redeem us and rose from the dead for our justification. You probably remember the person who explained that to you. And maybe that same person or someone else in your life took you from that point where you made your profession of faith in Christ and they taught you about baptism. And then they maybe got you a Bible and taught you how to find your way around Scripture. And maybe they walked you through the important uh, principles and doctrines of the Christian life and did what we call discipleship. And if that's the case, if you remember the person or persons who did that, you probably have a fondness in your heart for them that'll never go away. Personal relationships are what God uses in so many ways to bring people to Jesus Christ and to help people along in their walk with God. Personal relationships bring people to church where they hear the gospel or help them find a good church that preaches God's word like this one. Personal relationships assist us in spiritual growth. They help us when we get stuck to move forward in the Christian life in so many ways. And personal relationships are part of Paul's teaching in this passage. Look back, if you would, just a, maybe a page or maybe it's on the same page, in chapter 3, verse 17. Look what Paul says there. Philippians 3, 17, he says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul wrote scripture, and he sent scripture to the churches, but he also said, watch my life, and watch people in the church who are living godly for Christ Jesus, and imitate their walk. Personal relationships matter so much in the Christian life. And so therefore, when personal relationships are broken because they're important in the Christian life. When personal relationships are broken, it's important for us as Christians to work hard to mend them. Sure, we have the ability to cut people out of our lives, to stop talking to them, to stop interacting with them. In our day, if you have a personal relationship with someone in the church that's broken, you can go to another church and start over. And that's the easy way out. The easy way out of problem personal relationships is just to move on with your life. But even though that's the easy way out, it's not the God-glorifying way out. It's not what the Lord wants from us as his children. It's not a way that moves people forward in the Christian life. Personal relationships are important and therefore... Christians need to work hard to maintain and repair personal relationships with other believers. That's what Paul's interested in here. And so look at our chapter again, chapter 4, verse 2. He says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche. I appreciate that the ESV here uses the word entreat before each of their names. That reflects the Greek text. And Paul did that to emphasize 
the point that he's trying to make there. He put the verb in front of each of these women's names to emphasize how important it was, and I appreciate the ESV for doing that. I don't appreciate them for using the word entreat, because that's not a word we use very often. And so a word that is maybe a little bit more familiar to us is, I urge these women, I urge Euodia, and I urge Syntyche. What is the point here? Paul uses this word, and he uses it in front of each of their names to say, each of you need to fight for unity. Each of you need to work to repair this breach that has, become, that has come between you. That's what Paul is saying in this passage. That's what his interest is and his passion is. Because personal relationships are important, he says, I need each of you to start working at this. I need each of you to put some energy and some effort into this. I plead with you. Now, we don't know exactly what the issue is between these women. We don't really know much about it at all, in fact. We do know from Paul's other, passage, from other, Paul's other writings that if there is a sin issue, like a clear sin issue... He'll address that. You know, if Syntyche slapped Euodia around physically, he would probably address that directly. If one of them was cheating with the other one's spouse, I think Paul would address that because he did so in 1 Corinthians in a different context. And so if there was a clear sin issue between them, I think Paul would have called that out, but he doesn't, which means they probably just had some kind of personal friction between them. Paul was never afraid to address sin directly, but he doesn't do that here. And so that means there was probably some kind of a personality clash between them or some kind of a disagreement between them. And so Paul's approach here, the Lord's approach here, is to say, you two women, you need to work it out. You need to find your way back together. Whatever the, whatever the issue is, you need to work hard to make the problem go away. But notice that Paul, in the way in his language here, wants to make sure that as he urges these women to get together and get on the same page again, he does so in the context of their walk with God. Correcting personal relationships requires the grace of God. And we see that in the passage, again in verse 2, where Paul says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. In the Lord. And that phrase, in the Lord, evokes a doctrine that we call our union with Christ. That everything we have as Christians, we have because we are in Jesus Christ. And because we are in Jesus Christ, God treats us as if we are as righteous as Jesus is. But he also calls us to learn to live as righteously as Jesus does. And because we're in Jesus Christ, because of our union with Christ, we have the same command, the same urging to be one with one another. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. Because we are together in the Lord, we should want to be unified. We should want breaches in relationships 
to be repaired. We should want there to be good feeling and good harmony between one another because we are in the Lord. This requires the grace of God because the truth is, as you know, there are many, pro- there are many opportunities for personal problems between people. It's very easy to have problems with other people. We're good at that. Sometimes we have personal problems, like personality differences. Have you ever met somebody that you just didn't like? And you knew from the instant you met them that you didn't like them. I, probably most, if not all of us, have had that experience at least once. When I was in college, I had two I had roommates every year, but there was one particular year where I had these two roommates, one of whom I had known from high school. We, I don't know how we ended up in the same room. I didn't request it, but, but, but we ended up in the same room. And I knew him from high school. He was a couple years younger than me. And then there was this other guy that I'd never met before, but he was assigned to be my roommate. I thought they were both great guys. I loved talking to them. I got along great with them. I would go to you know, meals with them and hang out with them. I thought they were great. But somewhere along the way, I found out they didn't like each other. And I wondered why, because they're such great guys. Well, the truth is that sometimes your personality just doesn't mesh with somebody else's. Maybe they're too loud and you're quiet, or maybe you're the one who's loud and they prefer to be quiet, whatever. Personal problems can happen anytime between people, and many of them are personality-driven. But there are other differences that can bring us problems with other people. Sometimes our tastes are different. And so because we have different tastes, we have different expectations, When I came to the church that I pastor now, Calvary Bible Church, we had contemporary worship, but it was, you know, I came there in 2006, and I became the pastor in 2010. But when I came in 2006, we had contemporary worship. We had the drums, we had the guitars, we had it all, but it was all stuck in 1995. And we were singing Hillsong songs that had long, you know, they had long lived past their expiration date. And the way we did it was kind of hillbilly, too even though we lived in Michigan. And so I tried to urge the worship leader to update the songs at least a little bit. Let's introduce something. Let's introduce some Chris Tomlin here a little bit, right? Let's try to get some new songs going. And he was amenable. He wanted to do that. He started to do it. And all of a sudden, one of the people who was a singer didn't like the music we were choosing. Now, I don't think there was anything wrong with her walk with God. I don't think she was a You know, I don't think it was sin that was causing the problem. And our desire certainly was to have a church where God was worshipped and where people enjoyed the worship. But this became a problem in the church, and it was really driven by taste. Sometimes personality issues cause problems. Sometimes taste issues cause problems. Sometimes differences about what should be done cause problems in the church. When I, was, when I came to the church, we had a basketball league in the church. So we had a gym. We have a gym. We had a basketball league. And I didn't, have a, a, I didn't necessarily ha- have a problem with us having a basketball league, but one of the things I said to the guy leading the basketball league is, what would happen if you guys went out and joined basketball leagues that were not church leagues? Like, would you get an opportunity to maybe talk to somebody about the gospel Maybe it would be good for us to get out of the salt shaker a little bit and get into the world a little bit, not to be worldly, but to introduce people to Christ. And that became a source of 
friction a little bit. Now, we got on the same page, but these can cause problems, differences about what should be done in the church. Differences about who should do things can be a problem in the church too. If you want to be the main worship leader, but the pastor chooses someone else to do it, that can cause some friction. If you want to start a men's ministry, but you're not a man, that can cause some problems. I made that one up. I've never actually seen that happen. But the point is, about who should lead things can be a problem. I've had people, I mean, we worked through this, but I've had people who thought I should be leading everything in the church as the pastor. That's not how the body of Christ is designed to function. And so what I'm saying is there are all kinds of opportunities for people to have differences, and they're not necessarily directly tied to specific sinful actions. But they can cause real problems in the body of Christ. But I believe this. This is, this is going to be a bold statement, but I believe it true. I believe it to be true. All personal problems among Christians could be resolved in Christ. Now, I'm not no, naive enough to say they will be resolved this side of eternity. But I believe that all personal problems could be resolved by Christians if we would address things the way the Lord commands us to address them if we really took the same attitude that Christ himself had, which we'll look at in just a moment here in Philippians, if we really took things the way that the Lord wanted us to do them, I believe that all personal problems could be resolved in the Christian church in Jesus Christ. Remember, this comes from the phrase, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Paul isn't just saying, burp and get over it, okay? He's saying, in the Lord, you need to fight for what's right, which is fighting for unity with one another. Your Christian faith should compel you to seek, to repair breaches within personal relationships with other Christians. And this is where we get down to the issue of the true source of interpersonal problems. I've said that they can come from personality differences, and they can. I've said that they can come from different ideas about what should be done, what, who should do it, and so on. There are many ways in which we can get sideways with one another. But the truth of the matter is, scripturally speaking, and I think you, if you think about it, you will find it to be true in your experience too, that the true cause of interpersonal problems is sin. Maybe not a specific sin, but it's a sin of the heart or multiple sins of the heart that cause these interpersonal conflicts with other people. Proverbs 13.10 says this, where there is strife, there is pride. Where there is strife, there is pride. And pride is a sin. Pride is the first sin that really God addresses in your life when he calls you to repent and bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ to receive salvation. And Scripture says conflicts come from pride. James chapter 4 verse 1 says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, that battle within you? There may not have been a specific sin that happened between these two women. But scripturally speaking, we understand that all interpersonal problems happen because someone's got a heart issue. Someone's got sinful desire. Someone has pride that's unresolved and unaddressed. That's the bad news. The good news is, though, that Christ came to liberate us. 
from the sin struggles that we have within that cause us to have interpersonal problems. Christ gave himself for us. And in so doing, he showed us how to deal with interpersonal problems. This is why I say they all could be resolved in Christ because Christ himself set the example. And now I want you to turn back to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, because this is where Christ sets the example for us. Many scholars, and I agree with them, believe that what Paul writes here in Philippians 2 was preparation for what he was going to write in chapter 4. That Paul was setting up doctrinally what he needed to say in order to address the problem between these two women in chapter 4. So let's look at Ephesians 2, where it's, or Philippians 2, excuse me, which says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Do you have good vibes from being a Christian? Yes. Verse 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind. What does Paul say? If being a Christian has helped you in any way, then you need to fight to get on the same page in your thinking with other Christians. And how do you do that? He goes on and says this, having the same love. So if, if we really love Jesus and love one another, we can solve these interpersonal problems. Being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. If we would take that mindset alone, that I'm here to serve others, and therefore, I should treat them as if they have the superior position, a lot of the conflicts that hurt the church and hurt us could be fixed. But he goes on and says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That's verse 3. But in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which was yours in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not account equality with God something to be grasped. What did Jesus do? Jesus gave up his rights. And he gave up the worship that he deserved. He gave up the throngs of angels singing his praises to become a guy. And not a guy sitting on a golden throne, a king. No, he became a slave. He became a poor man. And then he poured himself out for us. He gave himself for us to save us. And if we as his people, because we are in Christ, if we took the same mentality when we have problems with other Christians, if we said to ourselves, Jesus gave up his rights for me, he treated my sin problem as a higher priority than the unbroken worship that he deserved. He set aside his glory and became a man and then even died on the cross for me so I can give up my desire to run the basketball league. I can be okay if someone else is chosen to be the worship leader. I can speak to someone who treats me with disrespect and not because I'm mad at them and need to unleash my spleen against them, but really sit down and say, we need to come to some agreement in Christ about this. And if we treated our interpersonal problems the way Christ treated our sin problems, those issues could be fixed. They could be addressed. They could be solved in a godly way. 
Now back to chapter 4. Because having set up the, 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 the way that we need to think to resolve these interpersonal problems, the Apostle Paul says in verse 2, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to, to agree in the Lord. That word agree means to think with intention. It's not your instincts that lead you to agreement. It's to sit down and really think about your position and what happened and what the other person is thinking. This takes mental effort. And sometimes it takes the help of someone else to bring some corrective thinking into your life, into your heart. Now this word agree is the same word, the same word that we saw in chapter 2, verse 2, where Paul commanded us to be like-minded. It's the same word. And this is something we need to strive for as Christians. What Paul does not want and what God does not want is for us to be a monotone, for us to all get on the same pitch. No, like a great symphony. He wants each of us to use our giftings and our personalities and our differences with each other, but to play in harmony and to play in tune with the conductor, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when that happens then, the people of God become a great symphony of praise, not just with our lips and our songs, but with life where real love is shown for one another, where real care and concern, where we're willing to part with material goods to help someone who has needs, where we're willing to set aside our pride and let someone else lead, where we're willing to treat someone who insults us and speak to them, but speak to them in love for their good, not just for our anger. Because we are all in Christ by his saving grace, God commands us to work together to find unity. In other words, because we are in Christ, we need to work together for Christ to find unity in the Christian life. We serve the same Lord. We're waiting for the same return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to be together in the same kingdom forever when he returns. If we really put these things first, every other issue could be resolved. So because we're in Christ, we need to seek to reconcile broken relationships. Now in verse 3, Paul goes a little further here. This is how important this is. He's not just willing to, to mention these people by name, but he mentions other people too. Verse 3 says this, Yes, I ask you also, true companion. And so Paul here is addressing a third person. He's mentioned Euodia and Syntyche by name. Now he's bringing in a third guy, and we don't know who this is. Okay, Paul doesn't mention this guy. A lot of people think it's actually Luke, the author of the gospel according to Luke and Acts, because he was involved with this church as well. And it might, just, it might well be. But notice what Paul says to this man, whoever he may be. In verse 3, he says, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. Sometimes two people can't necessarily get on the same page even though they try. And so we need to bring in a third party, someone who knows the Lord and has biblical wisdom and cares about the situation. Sometimes a third party is needed to bring closure and healing and correction to the situation. Now, Whenever a third person gets involved or whenever you get involved in a third person way, there's always a risk. And that is the risk of meddling in a situation that you shouldn't meddle in. 
All right, so this takes some wisdom here. Proverbs 26, 17 says, Like one who seizes a dog by the ears is a passerby who meddles in a quarrel not his own. You ever picked up your dog by the ears? I don't recommend it. Okay, it's not good. And Paul says, this is the foolish way in which someone who meddles in a quarrel that they're not, that's not their own does. And so there is a risk here. But the truth is that mature Christians can often help to prepare broken relationships. That's what Paul says in verse 3 when he says, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. The word help was used in Luke chapter 5, verse 7. When Jesus did a miracle and told, I think it was Peter and John, to put down their nets for a great catch of fish. And they were, there were so many fish in the net that the nets were tearing. And it says they called to their, their, uh, their um, partners to help them. Okay, So what we, we see here is when you're involved in a task and you're giving it everything you've got and you just can't resolve it and you ask someone, come over and help me, that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, if these women can't get on the same page, if they can't be of the same mind on their own, don't give up on the situation and don't send Euodia off to another church. Instead, more people need to get involved. And they need to be the right people, people who are godly in Christ, people who care personally about each one. But we need people to get involved in these situations. But notice, finally, that broken relationships can happen even to mature Christians. They definitely happen to all Christians who don't have Christian maturity. But even mature Christian leaders can have broken relationships. Look at verse 3 again. Paul says, yes, I, ask, I also ask you, true companion, help these women. And now Paul's going to describe what Euodia and Syntyche meant to him. He says this, these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my loyal fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. One reason why Paul did this and one reason why it was personal to him is because these were godly Christian women, godly Christian women who had been of great assistance to Paul while he was in Philippi. And what this tells us is even good godly people, even people who are strong in spiritual maturity and are willing to give up a lot for Christ, even they can get involved in personal issues that need help getting resolved. And so if that's the case for these women who did so much for Paul, how much more is it true for us at any stage of Christian living? God wants us, because we're in Christ, to seek to reconcile broken relationships. And notice finally in this verse that it's our connection to Jesus Christ that makes it all possible. Paul says this right at the end of verse 3. The rest of my fellow's workers whose names are in the book of life. What is Paul affirming about these women? He's saying, these people know the Lord. They're saved. There's no question about it in Paul's mind that they belong to Jesus Christ. But he uses the fact and affirms their faith in Jesus Christ to say... Because we have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to fight for unity. We need to fight to reconcile broken relationships. If there are sins that need to be addressed, they need to be addressed biblically. But the purpose of addressing the sins is to win your brother over, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18. And so I hope that from our time in the Word this morning, we would learn 
that living in harmony with one another, addressing our problems biblically, loving one another, enough to fight, to preserve godly relationships with other Christians, matters deeply to God. And therefore, it should matter to us as well. Would you pray with me? God and our Father, we thank you that you did everything that you could to reconcile us to you when we were lost and far from you and cared little about your glory or your honor. Jesus gave himself for us to save us from our sins, but also, Lord, to bring us into reconciliation with you. Father, I pray that you would help us as Christians to fight for personal relationships, to be reconciled in godly ways in the same way as well. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.